This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time for kickoff. Kickoff versus the end zone touchdown with Boomer Asiason and Mike Valenti. And away we go. Week three kickoff. Boomer and Valenti. I mean, the close of these games in both windows was banana land. Yeah, you know, the NFL is just picking up right where it left off from last year's playoff run. You know, we all thought that was the best football we had ever seen through the playoffs. Now, this is some of the most ugly football we've ever seen, but it's also making it for the most compelling. And when you think about the Jets and the Browns and how that game ended and the fact that it took 2,331 games before somebody came back from a 13 or more point deficit under two minutes in a game. And it had to, and be. It had to be the Jets. And, Browns. and it had to be against the Browns. Wasn't the last time this happened the Browns? The like Browns. 20 years ago in 01, right? Yes. It's all, yeah. It's, it's so, it's such a beautiful thing. And to <laughs> me, <laughs> we sit there at the NFL today and we watch these games, Mike. And I'm telling you, we're coming out of our seats uh, with some of, the, some of the things that are happening. You know, we have a couple onside kicks that are recovered the last couple of weeks. We haven't seen that in a while. No. Things have changed. Things are adapting. But I have to say, it is the king sport. And every single week, there's something that happens that we've never seen before. And I can't wait to order you your very own fudgy to brown elf thing guy hat. You want one? No, I do not Come want on. one. No, I'm a former Bengal, man. You I think know. I want a Browns hat? And no. By the way, I don't think you know, Browns fans want that logo. Well, you know how I feel about what's going on out there and what's happened out there. Oh, I know. And, uh, you know, it couldn't have happened to a better franchise. And you just hate to I, see I, it. I love the fans. The fans are great. The fans are some of the best fans and most loyal fans in all of sport. We all know that. Browns fans are. But, you know, the ownership and some of the decisions oh, that they've made over the last 20 years are just you know, rock your brain. You ever you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? I do. Latte Larry. <laughs> Latte You're Larry's operating right. the Spike Store. <laughs> yeah. And the Browns are Mocha Joe. All right, let's get to the rundown. This is the NFL Rundown. All right, Booms, I want to start out with the Bills. 41-7 on Monday night. Just a, a demolition of the Titans. But here's my question. Are they one of one where they're on their own tier? Or are there some other teams you're willing to put at the table with them? I think if the Bucks get healthy, uh, I would put them at the table. I would put. Uh, I would also put the Chargers at the table. I, I, I hate to say this, and I'm not trying to be biased, but I do believe that the Bengals are a very good team. Um, but the Bills seem to be on that trajectory that we have seen other players and teams go on where you just know that they are a Super Bowl caliber team, and that's Josh Allen. And I said it after week one when they won their opening game against the Rams. Uh, you know, he set the pace for the MVP race. 
and all he's did is now is add to it. Yeah. They've scored 72 points in their first two games. They're the top scoring offense in the league, just ahead of your Lions, by the way. Hey, uh, so hey. they are flying, and they are going to be difficult to beat, and really one of the more interesting matchups this week against Miami in Miami. You know what I like, too? And, and it's it's subtle, but I think it's going to help them come playoff time. Their offensive line, I think, is making that transition from finesse to physical and getting Saffold and bringing in a couple of grinders. They're now able, I think, to be able to get physical when they need to to close games. Yeah, watching this game uh, on Monday night, I'm thinking, you know, Harold Landry is a huge loss for the Titans because they had virtually no pass rush whatsoever. And then you watch the way that Josh Allen is playing. And and I remember when he was young younger player, you know, he's like a bucking Bronco and he's running all over the place. And now his game is refined to where he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. And he can basically do anything on the football field that he wants. On any play. Right. And I think I told you in our first show that Brian Dayball, his former offense coordinator, now the head coach for the Giants, told me off air that Josh used to come to him and say, look, call a run in the first couple of plays. I got to get hit. I got to get hit. <laughs> so, you know, he is a great football player and he does really truly remind me of a young Ben Roethlisberger, but I don't think Ben ran as much as Josh. I think Josh is a, a superior athlete, but man, his arm is, you know, it's a, it's a cannon. And we saw that on Monday night. All right, you brought up the Bengals. So I want to, I want to segue into that because I, look, no one doubts their talent. I love Joe Burrow. I don't know if there's a tougher dude in the league, but Boomer, this has got David Carr, Texans vibes. They're going to get him killed. 28 career games, 96 sacks. Yeah, part of it's his fault. Let me hear it. Well, you know, we as quarterbacks uh, have to get rid of the ball. We have to know where our pass protection is going, and we have to know where our vulnerabilities are, and then we have to react accordingly. So uh, out of all of these sacks that have happened over the last two years, I would probably tell you maybe 35 to 40% he doesn't have to take. Wow. Uh, he is gutsy. He'll stand in there, and he'll take off with the ball. He's yeah. a very good athlete. I give him all that. But, you know, there are four new offensive linemen standing in front of him. And when I was in Cincinnati, we had an offensive line coach. His name was Jimmy McNally. And I used to have to sit in with him in the offensive line on Thursday and Friday and go over all the pass protections and be able to communicate all those pass protections in a matter of about three to five seconds, depending on who we were playing and what they were doing defensively. Watching the Bengals over the last two weeks, especially against the Steelers in week one, those guys were confused, especially when you play against a 34 defensive front with all the different combinations of blitzes that they can bring, and they do it better than anybody in the NFL. That that offensive line, even though they are experienced, they're not communicating with one another. That would be the thing that really jumps out at me. And then the second thing is Joe Burrow has got to get rid of the football. Tom Brady barely gets hit. Did you catch, though, did you catch a couple times during the game? He's yelling, and I, I don't want to – make an accusation, but it looked like he was yelling at Zach Taylor saying, get me some help, you know, get him a chip, give me some, Zach Taylor also has, you know, they love going five wide. They love going zero. I, I, am I wrong on this? Yeah. Well, uh, you're wrong on the, You're not wrong on that. And especially when you have a guy like Micah Parsons on the other side or TJ Watt in the previous game. Right. So they've seen two of the best pass rushers who basically are not getting the help uh, or the offensive line, or the running back, or the tight end, whoever's being asked to block those guys in those situations are not getting the help they need. Quick quick uh, point is, if you remember when the Bucks played the Cowboys a couple weeks ago? Yeah. So Donovan Smith, the left tackle of the Buccaneers, goes down. So this kid Wells comes in and plays left tackle. 
the next play, Micah, Micah Parsons all over Tom Brady. Tom Brady now is screaming at Wells as they're walking off the field. So now what do they do? They go and they tell Fournette, you got to chip this guy. we got to right. help our left tackle. And that's exactly the kind of communication and the kind of adaptation that you have to have when you have a team like the Bengals. And that's what they have to do. They have to somehow support him a little bit better. But he can support himself by getting rid of the ball and not holding on to it. Let me go to the next thing, uh, Micah Parsons. So I want you to fill in the blank because I, I want to see where you're at with it. I know where I am. But – he is the best pure edge rusher since. Wow. You know, I know some people are comparing him to Lawrence Taylor. I need to see more of that. Um, I'll tell you, Bruce Smith was unbelievable. Miles Garrett is unbelievable. Uh, Miles Garrett is a guy that can do things with his body at his size that are very hard to do, and that's lower that inside yeah. shoulder. The thing about uh, Micah Parsons is that he can come from either side. There it is. And sometimes they keep him in the middle of the defense, and he can come up the middle. So I think when it's all over said and done, if he can stay healthy, you know, he'll go down as one of the most, uh, if not the most, or the best pass rusher in, in football because of his versatility of coming from either side. Well, and it's like when you talk to people in, in the league, you know, there are great players every week you're going to face somebody, but the guys that are static, you can game plan for. Parsons is the guy that keeps you up every night and because you don't know where he's coming from. All right, from. so this comes back to your pass protection conversation that we were just having about the Bengals. If I were playing and we were playing the Cowboys, the first thing I'd do is i find number 11 when we're in passing situations. Now, I would want to run at him, too. I want to make him play physical right. football and trying to make some tackles down the field as well as leaving him on an open edge. And I'll tell you what, the Buccaneers slowed him down. I mean, that chip block by Leonard Fournette took his head off. One was unbelievable. And that's the kind of thing. I played with a guy by the name of Larry Centers when I was with the Cardinals. And Larry did that to Michael Strahan in a game when we were playing the Giants. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I well, loved it. But, but it also makes him keep his head on a swivel. You got to slow him down. Exactly. You got to slow him down. And that's how you do it. And that's why Daniel Jones on Monday night and oh, the boy. offense are going to have to find him and make sure that he doesn't have that game record impact that he has had, you know, early here on in his career. You brought up the Bucks. I want to I want to go that direction cuz I feel like there's a transformation going on. Yes, with the Evans, you know, getting kicked out, suspension, Julio's already banged up. Tell me if you've heard that before. But when you look at the Bucks, do we have to accept that they are different? Meaning they they have the best defense in the league in my opinion. They have a power running game element. They're good at it. Fournette looks good. And Brady can be more of a game manager where, again, I know he's frustrated. He's slinging laptops everywhere. <laughs> but, Boomer, are they almost throwback Ravens? Great D. They're going to pound you, and Brady will make the right throws. I'll tell you who they are. They're, they're throwback Denver Broncos who won Super Bowl 50 against the Panthers. Okay. And the reason I say that, it's not because Tom Brady's hurt. It's because their offense is not going to be nearly as uh, explosive as it was when everybody was healthy and right. Gronk was in the lineup and everything else. Uh, but they did have that great defense. And Von Miller told me that, you know, we had to get Peyton back under center. We didn't care if he threw five passes or 25 passes or 50 passes. We just knew that we had to have our leader back on the field with us. So, and, and you know, if you remember, 
that year they actually won with their backup quarterback. I forget his name. He went to Houston, got that big contract and everything. But Osweiler. Yeah, that's, I forgot his name. Guy's got a reason neck I forgot his that's name. three feet long. And then, well, it's kind of like Peyton. But you also had to uh, remind me of his name. Don't worry about but it. But Von Miller said, look, we got to get Peyton back in here. And the reason we got to get Peyton back in here is because we now believe that we're good. Right. And if you remember Super Bowl 50 against the Panthers, the, pa- the uh, Broncos did very little offensively. No. That was all Von Miller and Demarcus Lawrence and that defense uh, that really helped Peyton win that Super Bowl. So that's what Tom Brady is to the Buccaneers. So that defense knows as long as they got TB12 over there and they keep him in the game. It's the belief. That's the belief that they can win. Is it, all right. So I, I got to do this because I, you know, there are a lot of guys in this league I'm not a huge fan of, but there, there are some I love. I'm a big Tua guy. Always have been. Felt like he was in a bad situation. They didn't do right by him. Boomer. Makes sense of what the hell I watched in the fourth grade. Does this mean two is good now? Yeah, I think he's really good. I okay. think uh, everybody says that he's accurate and he throws about as catchable a ball as there ever has been thrown. The difference is for you, me, and everybody else who's watching, it's left-handed. So it looks a little bit unique. Right. It was interesting on Twitter this week, somebody took the film, and I don't know how they did this, and they flipped the film around and they showed two are throwing right-handed. And it looked really normal and really good. I don't know if you saw this. I'll show it to you. Yeah, please do. It's amazing. And you're saying to yourself, wow, he's pretty damn good. What they did in the fourth quarter and the way they did it, and with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, they're going to be a bitch to deal with every week because it seems like now the confidence is there between everybody. And they know that Tua has the arm, and they know that he's going to be accurate with it. So, um, And McDaniel's a great play designer. I mean, McDaniel himself, just the whole thing is great. Oh, I love dude. He's, he's out there in a gold watch. He's out there in the shades. I go, this guy's amazing. He's the opposite of your guy in Detroit, Dan Campbell. Yeah, he was a wrestling character. Exactly. It's like the Undertaker. So it it kind of shows you that you can win both ways. Sure you can. But uh, I think Mike McDaniel is a breath of fresh air in the NFL. His press conferences are great. Uh, and the more they win, the more his way will be accepted and the more unique he'll become. You know what was interesting? There was a fun a fun number I saw. So Ravens secondary, total yards they had to run covering yeah. Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill, 8,200 yards in that game. Yeah, two receivers, both over 170 yards and two touchdowns in the it's- same game. That's Never a problem. Doesn't happen. And that speed, it's a problem. And speed, and that's why everybody in the NFL is trying to get faster. And everybody sees what Tyreek Hill does. He changes the game. The dynamics are completely different. I used to be all about the big, tall, wide receivers because bigger targets, they sure. go up Red zone the ball threat. and all that stuff. And there's a place for them, of course. You know, Devontae Adams being one sure. of them and Justin Jefferson and guys like that. But man, when you got guys like Tyreek Hill, the game changes. And the defense all of a sudden is back on their heels. And I don't know what's going on with defenses, but how many blown coverages have we already seen in week in, in only two weeks of play? It looks, it looks, you know, you brought it up last week. I totally agree. I just think you got a lot of guys who haven't played. They don't play in the preseason. They don't rep in the preseason. Now you're out here live fire, and you get play designers like McDaniel, McVay, Reed, and you make any mistake. Any false step, any miscommunication, it's just it's it's open by 30 yards. I also think that there are a lot of rookies that are being asked yeah. to play very prominent roles on defense. And those mistakes are obvious to their coaches and they're obvious to the fans when you see guys like Corey Davis running wide open 
against Cleveland down the middle of the field, and that's two weeks in a row that Cleveland's defense gave up huge plays. They did the same thing against the Panthers. Give you, I, I need a minute on the Eagles. Are we witnessing the NFC's best team before our eyes right now? Well, I, I still think Tampa. Okay. I still think Tampa because of that defense. You know, the Eagles settled in finally. You know, they 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 kind of collapsed a little bit in week one against Detroit. Um, I told you, I am a um, Jalen Hurts fan. I love, I root for him. I love him. I think we all should because he's a second-round draft pick. Hard he, had a, he had to leave Alabama because of Tua. Uh, nobody really I, – I guess you could say people believed in him because the second-round draft, just, which I was, means that people do think that you can play. The question is they're, they're not sure just how good you're going to turn out to be. Right. The one thing I'll say about him, and I think I told you this last week, I ask you, tomorrow, if you have a game – who do you want as your quarterback? Kyler Murray, a first-round overall pick, just got a second contract, or Jalen Hurts to win you a football game? Who are you taking? I would take Hurts because I know what I'm getting. Kyler, maybe the highest ceiling in the league, the lowest floor. So I asked everybody at the NFL today that same question that I asked you, and this was prior to Kyler doing what he did against the Raiders in the fourth quarter running around all over the place. Every single one, without hesitation, said they would take Jalen Hurts. All right, let's pick some games. It's kickoff. Boomer and Valenti. Now, back to kickoff with Boomer, Asiasen, and Mike Valenti. And welcome back. Kickoff. Boomer and Valenti. The picks. Uh, I will just tell you last week, mistakes were made. Um, yikes. Uh, I'm 15-14-1. Booms 10-19-1. Not, not a great week last week. But you know what? We're on to week three. Well, there's a lot of crazy things that happened in the NFL. I mean, like, look what happened with Miami. Look what happened with the Jets. I mean, it was just, it's about as unpredictable as I could ever remember. Yeah, it's why we love it. All right, let's get in it. Game one. Picks of the week. Let's start out with this. This is a fun one. I think arguably the most difficult game of the week. Lions getting six and a half, traveling to Minnesota. Minnesota destroyed on Monday night. Kick it off. Well, you know, just from a former player's perspective, I used to hate playing a team that got killed on national TV away from home, knowing that when they came back the next week, it was going to be a rough week of practice. I'm yep. sure that Kevin O'Connell has probably put his foot down a few a few times if he's capable of doing that. You know, this is the new way of coaching. Uh, but I would like to think that the Vikings are going to come back. But I do really kind of appreciate the Lions and the effort and what they look like. I'm going to take the Lions and the points, and I think this uh, this game will probably be another high-scoring game for them. Yeah, I want to take them badly. Uh, offensive line's banged up. Might get Ragnow back this week. Jonah Jackson's still banged up. But here's my thing. What time does this game kick off on Sunday? Yeah, well, you tell me. I'm not sure. 1 o'clock, not which good? means I can trust Kirk Cousins again. <laughs> I think it's a Vikings bounce-back spot. Uh, you're one of these uh, Kirk Cousins primetime guys. I, I mean, I, boom, he's 2-10 and 10 on Monday night. He did win two of them. Fair enough. All right, I'll take the Vikings. Okay. Game two, Ravens laying three and a half at the Patriots. Yeah, you know, I, um, I'm, the Patriots don't have the passing game that the Miami Dolphins have. I, I doubt that the Ravens or the uh, Patriots are going to score over 24 to 27 points in this game. I think it's a really, really tight game. I'll take the home dog in the Ravens, I mean, in you. the uh, Patriots. And uh, the Patriots' defense is vastly underrated. Not very many people are talking about it. Here's the other thing. Patriots, great run, D. Ravens, and I still, when the chips are down, it's my own bias. I'm probably being unfair. Lamar ain't it, man. You got to, I just don't trust him. Well, here's the thing. 
you have to get up on the Ravens. Yes. That's where they have problems. They usually play well with the lead, although that didn't happen last week. It was As you saw, both their offense and defense collapse where they couldn't make any plays in the fourth quarter. I'll take that. I'm with you, though. Belichick, home dog? Yes, please. All right. Game three. This is this is flea-ridden. Saints laying three at the Panthers. Man, this is of, only because we're professionals oh, that we have to select this game. I would stay away from this game. You know, I, I know that there was a report that Jameis Winston has some like uh, 17 broken bones in his back. It, it is back. Yeah. And I just wondering how much longer can he play under under that condition? But then again, on the other side, Baker Mayfield has been playing like his hair is on fire. I know. And, the, the, you know, say what you want about the Saints, the defense, they got a good defense. They're going to get after him. Um I, I, I'm going to take the Saints here just simply because I do think that they are a playoff team. And once again, they showed you that they're, they're a tough football team. Even though they lost to the Bucks last week at home, they are a tough football team, and I think they're going to be too tough for Baker. Yeah, and again, they didn't have Kamara. They turned it over five times. Mm. Like It's not like the defense didn't show up. Look, you got to promise me, if this goes sideways, I am not allowed to select Carolina the rest of the okay. year. I'm going to take the home dog. It just Carolina makes sense on paper. Why are they this awful? I'll take the Panthers. You know why? Because their quarterback's inaccurate and can't make a big play at a big moment in the game. And it's unfortunate because that's kind of like been – it wasn't Baker's um, personality or his reputation coming out of school – but it now, unfortunately, is settling in for him, and, and he has to overcome that. Let's go from bad to worse. Texans <laughs> getting two and a half at the Bears. What the hell are we doing? Are we going to throw the ball in Chicago? What? Explain it. Fields has got like 180 yards in two games. You know, um, I would I would just say that Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze, their offense coordinator, got to find out whether or not their quarterback is the quarterback of the future. The best way you do that is by letting him throw the ball. So the one thing I usually expect, if he threw it 11 last week, he's going to throw it 40 this week. And Houston's a little bit of a, you know, kind of a, a unique team. I think Lovey Smith has got the young defense playing well. Davis Mills is doing okay, but he's not really a difference maker. I like the Bears in this one. Same. Um, this is one of my favorite games of the week. Chiefs laying six and a half at the Colts. Yeah, and the Colts, you talk about a pressure point. This is one right here from my former college roommate, Frank Reich, who was the head coach, and they lose to the Texans and Jaguars in back-to-back weeks, and last week was embarrassing. You know, the Jaguars are better than a lot of people think. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is coming along, like I was telling you. Uh, Doug Peterson is actually the adult in the room down there for them. Uh, I like the Chiefs here. I do not like the way that the Colts are playing. I don't Uh like the way their offense looks. I don't like the way that Matt Ryan looks. And it may take another couple weeks, believe it or not, before Matt Ryan finally gets comfortable in this offense. Uh, This is the Rudolph Christmas special, Island of Misfit Toys for me. This is exactly the type of spot where everything screams Chiefs and you go right to the other side. This is the Alamo for the Colts. I'm taking the Colts with the points. Uh, Eagles at the Commanders laying six and a half. You know, um, Commanders actually have one of the higher scoring offenses in football. But they also have a turnover-prone quarterback. Uh, I, I think the commanders will keep it close. I think that it will be a very physically run-oriented game. Uh, but I do think the Pittsburgh, I mean, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles will win the game. But I'm going to take the commanders and the points. Yeah, as much as I like the Eagles and Jalen Hurts and what they have going on, you got to be in rarefied air to throw a touchdown in a road divisional game. So I'm going to take the commanders, take the home dog, take the points. Bills, five and a half. At the Dolphins. This is what you call a measuring stick game for the Miami Dolphins. You know, they're sitting there. 
They're feeling pretty good about themselves. We just talked about the speed. Uh, but now they're going to be playing against what I would consider is one of the top two, three quarterbacks in the league who's on a quest to get an MVP and take his team to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think this game is going to be a high-scoring game. I think the Buffalo Bills are finally going to meet a team that will be able to run with them. So I, I will take Buffalo to win the game, but I'm going to take Miami in the points. When you see five and a half, I call that the devil's number. Okay. you got to take the dog. And – they're going to put them on that sunny side of the field. They're going to be baking on the bench. You got a you got a coach swag factor with the gold watch. Yes, I, you're right. I'm going to go with the Dolphins. Um, I would like to opt out of this game. <laughs> Bengals at the Jets. Bengals laying. Now it is five and a half. That's unbelievable to me. So everybody's now expecting that the Bengals are are going to explode finally, that they're going to get it figured out, and that the Jets are what everybody thinks they are. The Jets are better than what people are giving them credit for. I'm going to take another high-scoring game, and I'm going to take the points in the Jets. Me too. And until Jonah Williams and Lael Collins and Kappa, until that offensive line starts playing better, how am I supposed to just go on the road? And people don't understand. The, the, the talent gaps in this league, are. this is not college football. Beating teams by seven or more. It's not, it's not easy. It's and hard. We always saw that last week, the same right. thing. We, have big, we had big spreads last week. Here's the other thing, too. So you have Carl Lawson of the Jets. Former Bengal. Yeah. He would love to have the game of his life. And, yep. and believe you me, their defense is a little bit better uh, than people think. And, and and I do think high scoring and whoever has this ball last is going to have a chance. And to by the, the way, game. Garrett Wilson looks absolutely phenomenal. He does. Looks like the Jets really hit with that pick. And by the way, Joe Flacco, I will say, in the fourth quarter of last yeah. week's game, looked like MVP Joe Flacco of the Super Bowl. You're not going to see Zach Wilson doing those things. <laughs> All right. <laughs> not this week, anyway. Let's go Raiders laying two and a half at Tennessee. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not digging either one of these teams right now. Um, I know Ryan Tannehill is under fire. You know, you know what they want down there in Tennessee. They want Malik Willis on the field. They think they want that. They don't want that. But I'm, but Malik Willis gives, brings you a spark. If I, if I were them, I would try to find ways to use him. Packages? Yes. I would try to find ways to put his athleticism on display. He doesn't know the entire offense. He doesn't know how to read defenses yet. No. He's still a young kid. They weren't learning that at Liberty. Exactly. So he needs to have plays within the game, I think, to take advantage of his special ability. Now, he can throw. He can run. And if you keep it simple, relatively simple for the young kids that come into the into the game, they can have an impact. That's what I would do if I were Mike Brabel. I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Raiders here, and I and the reason I'm gonna go with the Raiders is because man, they're in every game. They just they're like the Bengals. They yeah. just have not figured out how to get it done yet, and I think they'll get it done here. Um, here's the other thing, and this might be way way too early to say this, but I I pride myself on watching everything, not just talking about it. Derrick Henry looks baked. Derrick Henry, the age, now he's 28. I don't know, man. I don't see Derrick Henry get tackled with ankle tackles. Where, I mean, Tay Crowder of the Giants almost assassinated him. I go, where's Derrick Henry? I, I'm, I think that I told you, I hated the Titans offseason. I was out on them. I'm going Raiders. Well, again, we go back to the pass rush or the lack thereof. They don't, not, they don't no. really have one without Harold Landry. And the one thing I will say about uh, the Raiders, they do have a pass rush, and they do have Devontae Adams. So they're going to score points. You know it. Provided Hunter Renfro stops fumbling. Um, <laughs> you need to hold my hand on this one. This is the trap of traps, and this is one of your pet teams. Jags getting seven, traveling to the Chargers. 
Yeah, so uh, the Chargers coming off the bad loss, and guess what? Justin Herbert's not 100%. Rib cartilage? Rib cartilage, very painful. Have you had that injury? Uh, I had that injury. I played with it. I never took any shots when I played, so I played with it, and it, and it can be debilitating. Now, they may give him a shot, but remember what happened the last time a quarterback out there had a rib problem. His name was Tyrod Taylor, and he had his lung punctured, yeah. and that is what gave Justin Herbert the chance to go and play. I'm thinking the Jags and the points. You know, it's interesting, too. Eddie, Eddie just chatted with me over the talkback. Normally, I'd say, hey, it's going to be a Jags home game. This may just be a stadium full of Rob Lowe's wearing an <laughs> NFL logo hat. I hope both teams have fun. Uh, I'm going to take the Jags with the points. Uh, look, I love the Chargers. I love Herbert. But the Chargers also, it's another one of these teams. They'll beat you, but they don't blow you out. So I'm going to yeah, take the Jags. And plus, and plus, his rib cartilage is a thing. It's a real thing, and it bothered him. And you could see how it bothered him that Thursday night game in Kansas City. Atlanta travels to Seattle. Atlanta (laughs) getting a point and a half. You're disgusted by this game? You just don't want to watch it. I'm taking Atlanta. I'm taking the Artie party. I really am. I I love the run scheme. I I also think that, uh, you know, the Geno Smith experiment and whatever, they beat Russell Wilson in week one. That was their Super Bowl. And, you know, these two teams are going to be in the running for top five draft picks. And look, I'll say this. I know it's it's everyone can say shoulda, coulda, woulda. That's how the league works. Atlanta should be one and one, could be two and oh. Yes. Um, God help me. I'm taking Arthur Smith and Marcus Mariota to go on the road and win a game. Already party time. Already party. Like Drake London. Another one. Another one of these stud. He looks fantastic. He does. Rams laying three and a half. They travel to this show's least favorite team, the Cardinals. <laughs> I'm taking the Rams, man. You remember the last time we saw the Rams and Cardinals play? <sighs> Nightmare see, fuel. Yeah, did you see what happened with Kyler Murray? Is he reading defenses? Um, I think the Rams, you know, kind of got back on track, you know, kind of lost it a little bit towards the end of their game last week, got got a little bit bored, I think, and allowed Atlanta to get back into the game. Um, I think that they will drill uh, oh, the Cardinals. God help me. All right, for the sake of the show, for the sake of ball breaking, yeah. I'm going to take Arizona one time. One time. I got to see. Boomer, just let me endure the pain. You I'm can t- have it if you I'm want. I'm taking the fine. three and a half. I got to give him one free roll. Niners, Broncos. Oh, Nate Hackett. Go ahead. Niners laying a point and a half. <laughs> Honestly, you, you explain hey, this guy. The Niners are better with Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback, I'm telling you right now. And you saw Russell Wilson running around all over the place against uh, Houston. He ran around all over the place against Seattle. This is why Seattle wanted to trade him and get rid of him and not have to pay him that contract extension against this defense. I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers. At that point, that spread is weird. Well, it's... I thought it would have been bigger. I'm with you, and you know what happens. This is where outer space, intergalactic Nathaniel Hackett happens, and he beats us. But I can't do it. This guy cannot figure out time, down, distance. And he ran a fullback option on third and inches. I'm out. Niners, lay the points. Sometimes those fullback options work, you know. When? When you were back in Maryland? Maybe, but sometimes they work. All right, Niners, even though I know what's about to happen. Monday Night Football, Giants, America's Giants, the 2-0 Giants. The Giants are laying one updated number at home against the Cowboys. So when Dak Prescott gets hurt here in New York, I go on WFAN, and I say, let's take a look at the Giants' next three teams that they have to play. Of course, it's the Panthers with Baker Mayfield. Yep. It's now the Cowboys, and then come the Chicago Bears with Justin Fields. I'm like, could the Giants end up being 4-0 and after oh, man. four games? Keep and talking. Like, now, <laughs> is Kayvon Thibodeau playing? 
you know, is Ojolari playing? If those guys are playing, then I'm going to take the Giants, and I think I'm going to stick with them because there's something about Brian Dable and Wink Martindale and there how these is. players are responding to the way that they're being coached. And, uh, you know, Daniel Jones has got to come out of his shell as well, too. Wink Martindale. I, I've, I, it has been since, like, Spags in his prime where I've had faith in a D coordinator with the Giants dictating terms. And Wink is a maniac, but in all the right ways. No, I love it. No, he is a maniac. And it's just, listen, one time for me, for America, Giants, 3-0. and Give it to me. All right, we'll get the best of the best. We got a trouble index, and we got Boomer's final word all coming up next. Boomer and Valenti, it's kickoff. Now, back to kickoff with Boomer, Asiasen, and Mike Valenti. All right, let's jump in. Best of the best this week. This week's best of the best of the best of the this best, week's of, best, best, best of, of the best. Uh, this is the Boomer Bowl right here, people. Six Super Bowl MVPs combined. Rodgers, Brady, Packers getting a point and a half at Tampa. Go. You know, we're all thinking that this is going to be this high-scoring, you know, throw it down the field game, but I think both teams are struggling with their wide receivers. Mike Evans is obviously not going to play because of the suspension. I think this is like a 24-20 game, believe it or not. I'm going to, and I'm going to stay with Tom Brady at home. And the reason I say that is because I do believe the Bucks defense will be able to shut down the offense of the Green Bay Packers, especially the passing offense. Here's the key to me. A, I'm not going against you on this because this Brady voodoo witchcraft tour continues. The singular thing that I think gives the Bucks the advantage, no matter what Green Bay does with draft capital, with salary cap, with all these defensive expenditures, they still can't stop the run. And Tampa is going to come at you. They're going to pound on you. 100%. And I think Tampa at home, that running game, Tom won't make the big mistake. And Aaron with these wide receivers – Yikes. I'm going to take the Bucks. I'm right there with you, man. I'm telling you, the, the Buccaneers' defense, as you, I think you said it earlier in the show, is, is if not the best defense in football, it's definitely a top-five defense. And they're brutal to run against. They're brutal to run against. So, again, if the Pack can't run it the way they ran it against the Bears, and now i got to depend on you going, what, vertical with Romeo Dobbs? Okay. And, and i got to believe that uh, you know Leonard Fournette should be able to run for over 100 yards in this game. If, as long as they commit to it, I agree with you. Yep. All right. Trouble index? Okay. This is where, Professor Boomer, I need you to assess the level of trouble these teams are in. And you can do it with whatever grading scale you want. I want to start with the Bengals. You said you weren't that worried at the start. All right, so we go through a let's go through a number index here. One being the least amount of trouble, five being the most amount of trouble. Yeah, five is it's pandemonium, the building's right. on fire. Got it. So the Bengals are a one trouble index. And the reason I say that is because Joe Burrow took a page out of Green Bay's Aaron Rodgers book this week and said, just relax. We'll be fine. And I do believe they're going to be fine. There's way too much talent on this team. They're trying to figure it out on the offensive line. They're in every single game. And a lot of weird things have happened to them in these previous two games. Eventually, they will break out of it. And unfortunately, I think it's going to happen against the Jets this week. Um, the one thing for me would be, all right, we focused on the O-line, on Burrow, all of it. Their defense has been very underwhelming thus far to me. And I understand. They only gave up, you know, what, 20 points last week, whatever it was. Where's this pass rush? Where is it? They allowed Cooper Rush to get comfortable. And I'm going, what is going on here? Yeah, but didn't put up a lot of points. I know. Again, you know, that's the thing. Like, Lou Anarumo, 
is really one of the more underrated people, I don't even know who he is, really, uh, defense coordinators in, in the NFL. And one of the reasons why they went to the Super Bowl last year was because of the adjustments that he made on defense against Patrick Mahomes, against Ryan Tannehill, and against Matthew Stafford. So they're in every single game. And if you ask me, when I watch them, it's their offense that has been underwhelming, not their defense. If their offense starts putting up the 30 points like they should be able to. Oh, well, then it's no issue. Then their defense is going to be like all over the opposing team, which could happen to the Jets this weekend. Titans. Uh, trouble index is, uh, is north of four. But what keeps it not being five is because of their division. You know, they'll, they'll, they can rescue themselves and they can get themselves back in their division I do love Mike Vrabel as head coach. You know, he's he's another one that, you know, is a guy that's smart enough to be able to bring a team out of yeah. uh, the abyss that they find themselves in right now. If they lose this week, then forget it. I mean, they have to win this week. You and I both picked the Raiders, by the way. Well, and that's, look, again, good coaches can have bad years. This Sometimes, could be their year to have a bad year because they lost their wide receivers. They lost two of their best wide receivers in the last two years. And they lost trades. their best pass rusher who blew up in the preseason. Exactly. And your expensive running back might have turned into Rodney Hampton. And we'll your see. quarterback is a quality quarterback, and that's how I would describe him. Yep. Um, let's stay in the division then. Let's go Colts. Uh, five. Uh-oh. <laughs> and the reason I say this is because they had a really, really high hopes to getting off to a good start because when you saw the Texans and the Jaguars on your schedule, everybody thought, okay, we're going to win this. these two games. We're going to get off to a great start finally, and we're going to have our quarterback that is, you know, showed, you know, at least in practice, that he could still play at a very high level. Everybody seems to be responding to him, and it's been anything but that. Now, you know, they're, they're 0-1-1. It's the one good – they have the yeah. tie. They don't have the loss. So the, the thing for them, unfortunately, is that they're playing the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, who's playing at a very high level, and he doesn't lose in September. Well, let me ask you two questions. Just one is – and I think Frank Reich's a very bright offensive mind. He's a very good coach, but slow starts are becoming his calling card. Why is it he doesn't have this team ready in September? Well, two things that I think are a big part of this. You know, he lost his offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, to the Eagles – and then this year he lost his defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, to the Bears. So those were two very powerful personalities that were in that building along with Frank that made a great like, kind of triangle of coaching leadership. Right, brain trust. And now those two of those guys that are gone, and Frank's there, and he's had to morph with other guys and new coaches. And, of course, it's his fifth quarterback in five years. Well, here's the other problem. And this is I blame the organization. And I know Frank has to play a role in this, but you continue – to avoid doing it the right way. Like you got Philip Rivers, who gets the discount on afternoon movies. You go out and get Matt Ryan. You've tried. Like, when are they just going to do it the right way? Well, unfortunately for them, they thought they had the right way with Andrew Luck. And then, and then he basically left them with Jacoby Brissett. And they had no, they had no cho- choice to or, or, or op- opportunity to change that. And then they went down the Phillip Rivers because, you know, Frank knew Phillip from his days in San Diego with him. And they got to the playoffs. And then the next year it was Carson Wentz's turn. I, I, I you know, listen, they should have just kept, I would have just kept Carson. But the way that the season ended last year, the fact that he didn't get vaccinated. And, look, and the that, vibes. And by the way, that owner has expectations so you're dealing with an owner who can be impetuous, I believe, from where I sit. Absolutely. And he's going to make decisions and tell the GM, Chris Ballard, and tell the coach, this is what I want. And what it seemed to, Boomer, it, it did not seem like Wentz made a lot of friends there. 
while losing is that I know. that's what happens. You know, that and, and when you lose pr- premium games and you're on in-season hard knocks, there's a lot of stuff that's going on there. The dynamics were kind of flat there at the end of the season. So I, I, I'm telling you that this is like a four or five kind of uh, misery index. All right, I'm going to leave this to you because I'm I'm too angry to even discuss this this team, the Broncos. Five, full freight, full five. Freight. You know, a lot of people thought when uh, Russell Wilson was acquired by them that they were going to immediately ascend to the top of the AFC because of all the good players that they have on their team. But you don't got to take into account the coach. And the coach is obviously not prepared for this. I can't take it. And he already, after two weeks, you know, people are wondering whether or not, you know, why did they go out and get him? And I think people initially thought they went out and got him because Aaron Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay. And he and Aaron Rodgers are so close that that would be the reason why Aaron Rodgers would force Green Bay, much like Russell Wilson did, to trade him to uh, Denver with Nathaniel Hackett. Well, I'll tell you what, when you come out of that box and you go down on the field and you got that headset on and you got to make those decisions, he's the one coach at this moment, at this juncture, looks like he's in way over his head. Well, and it's it's funny, too, and, like, the average fan will look at it and go, well, what's what's so hard about X, <laughs> Y, and Z? But here's the thing. Look at the different, like, appreciate a guy like Belichick. Like, remember the Super Bowl with the Patriots? I heard Trent Dilford talk about this. You know, they knew the series of calls the Rams were going to make based on where McVay was on the sideline, like that level of hyper-awareness. And then you go to a guy like Nathaniel Hackett who can't figure out, I need a timeout on a field goal. <laughs> like, it just it makes you appreciate the guys who can do it all. Well, uh, you know, Bill Belichick happens to be the GM as well. I mean, he's running the whole thing up He's there. a maniac. He is a maniac. But but then again, he's had years and years and years and years of experience and has had some great players, most notably Tom Brady. But I will say this. Uh, it, it is a learning experience, and you just got to hope that somehow, some way, Nathaniel Hackett's going to start to figure this thing out because this thing with Russell Wilson together, if it continues to go this way, it's going to explode. Last thing, and then I want to get to your final word, Russell Wilson. How much blame does he play in this? Because he doesn't look right at all. All right, so he, Baker Mayfield, Matt Ryan, you know, these are older quarterbacks that are in new places. And, you know, Russell was in Seattle, and he always had Pete Carroll in his back pocket. Pete Carroll ran the whole thing. Right Now, all of a sudden, he becomes the main guy, and he has to be the guy that shoulders the entire load, whether it be fourth and five in the first game against Seattle where they don't go for it, Russell, why didn't you scream? Like, you know, you should have wanted to, to, to run that ball on fourth. Right, quarter of a billion dollars. Or basically what happened last week where he's running all over the place and can't complete a pass. So I, um, I wouldn't have traded for him and given him the extension. Seattle hoodwinked the Denver Broncos. And then the Denver Broncos went all in, hook, line, and sinker because of all the off-the-field off the stuff during the offseason. He's at the Colorado Avalanche games. He's at the Rocky games. You know, he's at the U.S. Open right. with his with his wife and everything. And he's a you know, he's a celebrity. He's a big time celebrity, but he's not the Russell Wilson that we saw ten years ago. Well, see, that's that's the dirty secret is he's been on the decline. Seattle knew that. That's why they did not want to give him the contract extension. His agent's been in there screaming for a contract extension for two years. And because he was traded to Denver, who has been in like seven years of quarterback hell. 
that's a desperate franchise, new owner. Let's give the money to the, the celebrity, and, and away we go. But you know, you got to get it done on the field, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon. Let's get to your final word. What you say after this don't, don't matter. This is the final word. You know, the final word for me are these 0-3 teams coming into this weekend and how big their games are, and especially the tough ones on the road, like the Bengals going to the Jets or the Raiders going to the Titans. I mean, these coaches, these players, they know what's on the line, and they know that, you know, whoever comes out of this Titan-Raiders game is going to be over. And it's basically, it's hard to say in a 17-game season that it's over. I would say that if the Raiders lose, they are in deep trouble. If the Titans lose, at least their division Helps them a little bit. And if the Bengals lose, you know, that's a, that's another AFC loss. I, I don't necessarily know that you can withstand that no matter how good your roster is. Well, the other thing, too, you know, the stats are the stats. And I know it doesn't make sense that you start out 0-2 or certainly 0-3. You see other sports. You can rally. You can dig out of a hole. Boy, the stats are brutal. 0-3 in the NFL is a death sentence. Yeah, and, that's, and it holds up, Boomer. And that's, and that's why I worry about those teams, especially the teams like led by Derek Carr and Joe Burrow, stars that we know. Yeah. And that's why it's so important for them to win this week, man. It's going to be the stress, the tension, uh, the way that you walk around the building, the coaches are upset. It's not a happy place. Do you think the, do you think the Panthers can, can save themselves here? Their division outside of Tampa Bay, I don't know what New, New Orleans, Orleans is. New Orleans is a tough team, depending on whether or not Jameis can you know make it through the entire season with this back issue. But I also think that that's an owner, David Tepper, who's probably going to be a little bit impatient, furious. And and he will not, you know, he's not going to wait, uh, you know, another year. I mean, he'll blow it up again and he'll start over if they don't start winning. So, again, within the division, uh, you don't want to go 0-3 and you certainly don't want to lose 0-3 in front of your home fans. Because, you know, one thing owners can do, they can count how many people are in those seats. And if people start yeah. leaving and they're not excited about what they're seeing on the field – that means a change is coming. You think he's got the hottest seat in the league, Matt Rule? I, you know, I would think Frank. I would think Matt Rule. Um, McCarthy I got a McCarthy, but I think win. McCarthy's got a little bit of a reprieve because the team looked good, and he actually showed some emotion last week. And I'd like to see that more from Mike McCarthy. And uh, so he he bought a little bit of more time. And if they could win Monday night in New York, you know, old Jared would be very happy on that plane flight back. Week three is in the books. We'll come back next week, do it all over again for week four. It's kickoff with Boomer and Valenny. Thanks for listening.